Hello, this is Henry Rollins encouraging you to support KUCI Fund Drive happening right now. Help keep KUCI strong and independent. Please pledge your support by calling 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-KUCI. You can also donate online by going to KUCI.org. I will be monitoring how much money you send in. Now is not the time to be stingy. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. Hi there, good morning. I'm your host, Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. And uh, before I introduce my very special guest, Jarrett Nichols, who's calling in, I want to just mention that it is our spring fun drive, and we would love your support. I want you to also know what we do here, we do not get paid to do. We do this because we love this station, and we all provide various um, levels of experience, whether we're students or community members. We have public affairs shows here, music shows. If you're not familiar with our schedule, our complete schedule is online at www.kuci.org. And we, we really do love what we do. There are people that have been here a very, very long time. Some people leave and come back, and we just are all driven by the same thing, delivering quality programming to you. And so this time of year, we ask for your support to keep the station going. Even for a small pledge amount of $35, you can be a KUCI fan, and we will give you one of our very cool KUCI t-shirts or a CD. We have people standing by to take your calls. I believe Sheldon Abbott is in the house. He's here to take your calls. Uh, He's up at 10, by the way, Cure for the Blues. Hey, Sheldon. He's waving to me. (laughs) And um, again, various levels of support. We would love you to support the station. We have a lot of very interesting premiums this year, tickets to shows, T-shirts, CDs, you name it. So if you want to find out more about it, we would love your support. Just call 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-5824. All right, joining me this morning is a very special guest, Jared Nichols. And I heard about Jared uh, in this article in the OC Register that has actually been circulated on different uh, newspapers across the country. It's called Reinventing Self is a New Normal in This Economy. And that really definitely caught my eye because those of you who have been in a funk, I know I've been in a funk from time to time, personal, professional, whatever, you name it. Uh, Jarrett is a strategy consultant and author of Leading the 21st Century, the CEO's Guide to Thriving in a Volatile and Uncertain Future. And, you know, with this economy, a lot of people have switched gears. We've doubted ourselves. We've questioned what we're doing. We might have lost a job. We might have thought, you know, I've always wanted to do such and such, open a bakery when maybe you spent years in law school. Well, you know what? So what? Go for it and do it because... It doesn't matter what people think. It's all about you doing what you want to do in your bucket list. So it's my pleasure to welcome Jarrett Nichols. Hey, Jarrett. Hey, Janine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Well, you know, as I mentioned, and you flagged as well, I saw you, I heard about you in this article, Reinventing Self as a New Normal. Yes. Tell me about that. You know, there was uh, 
the one section of the article that I was quoted on was dealing with the opportunities in the marketplace uh, today as opposed to, say, the past 10, 20 years. Um, and uh, Gracie Von Staples was the author of that article, and um, when she and I had, had a conversation, it was looking at whether or not people are being forced into this or if it's more of a voluntary transition from traditional lines of work. Yes. So, you know, the answer is usually, well, both. Some folks have to do this, and then others are, are realizing that, uh, that life is short, and, you know, the things that we put our trust into, these large systems and beliefs and paradigms, if you will, are, you know, are, are starting to weaken. We're transitioning into a, you know, completely different type of economy, which is, you know, rife with, with all kinds of new opportunity. But uh, sometimes that can, you know, make things a little bit more complicated. But, uh, you know, it's definitely shifting. So it's both voluntary and uh, sometimes involuntary. You know, it's sometimes losing your job might feel like the worst thing that's ever happened, but it becomes the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but uh, I heard this the other day that somebody had done a study, I think it was at Harvard, that, um, I wouldn't say manufactured, but synthetic happiness is more impactful than, you know, uh, our traditional forms of happiness. So when we look back in retrospect and think, you know what, losing my job is the best thing that ever happened to me tends to be a much greater motivation than you know, I'm content with where my life is right now. And I think that tends to be because it gets us moving and moving forward. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, right. You know, uh, this holds true for even younger people because, you know, change obviously is scary whether you're, you know, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in middle school, and you're going through changes with friends. I'm experiencing this with my kids right now. And... You know, we're very wrapped up with technology, and it, I'm feeling like all this technology, we're moving at such a crazy pace and introducing things to our kids at such a young age, that doesn't mean they're going to be happy because we give them all these toys. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then as adults, we forget how to communicate effectively. I mean, what, how often do you get a handwritten thank you note? You know, it's funny you bring that up. Um because that's that's come up in a lot of conversations I've had recently, and uh, I've I've received two handwritten thank you notes, um, probably in the past couple of weeks, and it's, it has been a really impactful thing. Yes, uh, you know, talking about that, you know, that I think it was maybe ten, fifteen years ago where folks were talking about you know cursive writing going away, mm-hmm. and now you're looking at even you know learning how to type on a keyboard. Uh, more and more people that I come across don't know how to you know type on a keyboard properly because a lot of it can be dictated. Yes. So, yeah, our, our communications are definitely changing. And so technology, it's easy, you know, it's easy to look at technology and say, well, technology is uh, its not just changing the way you communicate, but maybe it's making it less personal or less effective. Oh, yes. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that, honestly, for us, uh, you know, especially folks that are even in high school, well, I won't say high school, let's say, you know, undergraduate and our age now and going on to, uh, you know, folks, our, our parents' generation above us, uh, we look at technology and social media, and I just don't think that we know how to use it correctly because we're still trying to use it the same way that we've done business or communicated traditionally, mm-hmm. and the two just don't really translate. Well, you know, with your kids, you probably see this. Your high school kids and middle school kids, they're learning to use technology and communicate in a completely different way, for better or worse. Yes. But, um, at the end of the day, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid that, uh, you know, that social connection that we desire is going to go away. But I think that, uh, you know... It, as human beings, we are just intrinsically, you know, driven towards interpersonal interaction, and I, I don't think that we'll ever let technology really substitute that completely. So, you know, hopefully, that gives some solace. But 
But what's interesting, Jared, is I'm reading things about people that maybe they were formally trained to be a lawyer, a doctor, and they felt like they went on this career path and they were very unfilled. They were making a lot of money. And then they end up doing that's something that's more hands-on, like opening a bakery or something that's much more, you know, complete opposite of whatever they started out to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if, if anybody's talked about this, and, and if they have, I'd want to certainly give due credit. But um, it's almost like you could see this uh, turning more into, a, for lack of a better word, a, a passion-based economy. And that may sound really funny. No, it doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it is, you're right. We see this a lot. You know, people that have gone on the, on the traditional career path, because this is what we were told we need to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether they decided due to burnout and that they just weren't happy and, and change, or because of the, the economic condition that they had to make a change, we're finding a lot of people are moving more towards things that they, they really want to do. Yes. You know, or at least want to do for the time being. Um, and, you know, I think for, for many of us, uh, you know, and, and I recently did this with the group I was working with, it's looking at, you know, our long-term aspirations. Of us wait, wait, Jarrett, time out one second. Your, your phone is breaking up a little. Are you moving? Uh, no, I'm sitting still. Huh, okay, your signal is, um, sometimes I'm hearing a little bit, and then it's, it's moving a little. Here, let me have you say something. Can you hear me now? Yeah, say KUCI is an awesome station. <laughs> KUCI is an awesome station. By the way, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Jarrett Nichols, and he's a strategy consultant, and we're right in the middle of our fun drive, so, but thanks for the shout-out. Uh, you sound better now. Go ahead. Excellent. Yeah, just let me know if I start uh, if I start breaking up. Okay. But um, yeah, essentially, you know, when when you're finding people that have uh, you know that have gone through a career path and have found themselves being unfulfilled, or you know that they want to make a change, and say like the example you use, somebody who's studied to be a lawyer and then mm-hmm. decided to open a bakery. What this the, the issue that we see there is that we have been making our goals and our plans for the present day and going forward. We say, well, this is what I want to do for say the next ten years, and a lot of that is based on you know, pressure, external pressure. It's, none of it's things that we really own in and of ourselves. You know, uh, certain decisions we make are usually influenced by either our family, our environment, um, some expectations that others put on us. And that often leads to, you know, just being unfulfilled in general. Right. Um, as you know, and now with the way that the market is changing, you know, we really have, it's both a good and a bad thing because we have more access to information than we've ever had in history. And this, this in and of itself is good, but the problem that we're facing, especially as professionals or young professionals who are in the job market, is what do I do with all this? How do I make sense of this? And then where do I find my place in all of this? Yes. And, uh, you know, one of the things that um, I've found to really help people uncover where their long-term aspirations really lie is to put themselves in a context and to look back. So, you know, instead of saying, well, in 10 years I want to do this, why not look in 10 years and just put yourself there and think back, here's the most impactful thing that I've accomplished over the past 10 years, you know, and, and starting to work with that. And, and, and all of a sudden they start to see things that they hadn't even thought about because then it's things that are really, you know, personal to them. Here's what's most important to me. Here's where I should be spending my time. Um, and, and rather than being influenced by the things that, you know, or influence us in our present day, the pressures, you know, needing to pay the bills, mm-hmm. uh, family obligations, whatever they might be, it just gives us a, a greater sense of clarity. So let me back up a second. So I'm going to back way up. How did you get to sure. where you are now? What, what is your backstory? <laughs> well, my backstory is kind of all over the place. I, I grew up as an Army brat, so 
you know, from the age of two all the way through high school, I'd moved around every six months to, you know, two or three years. Wow. So for me, it was kind of built in just the chaotic change of pace and the reinventing of yourself and, uh, you know, trying to, to adapt very quickly to wherever wherever you are. Was that hard um, for you as a child? You know, Janine, that's the only thing I've ever known, so I had nothing okay. to really compare it to. Yes. But um, I, I've jokingly said this, and I think there is some truth to this, that military kids uh, that have grown up this way, um, we are both, you know, whether you're extroverted or introverted, we're both equally emotional distraught. We just learn to deal with it in different ways. Mm -hmm. So some folks will be incredibly introverted and just not have much of a social skill. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, you'll have folks that can just go anywhere and blend in, um, you know, and, and immediately make friends or acquaintances. So, yes. uh, you know, that's the only thing that I've ever known. So I'd, it's it's really hard to compare. Well, it's um, it's interesting because then you don't have this negative reaction to it. You just go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely count that as a, as a positive. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's great advantages to growing up in one place your whole life. But, uh, you know, for what I do now and in my career, it's, it's definitely been a, been a huge advantage. It allows me to, to quickly change and adapt to different people in different industries and, and different folks that I've made. And it definitely makes things a little bit easier. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, it's a great it's a great skill because um, you know at various levels of your life you face uncertain changes and I, I would think having to face that when you were younger made you equipped to face it as an adult. Yeah, I definitely would say it definitely has. Um, you know, everything that we do, whether it's business or you know interacting with technology or you know communicating, all of it finds its roots in in the way that we so that we're socialized and the way that we socialize with each other. And so, uh, so that's definitely helped, uh, for sure. But um, you, you'd ask me how I got into this career path or what... Yes, uh, I'd love to hear about I, your career path. Go ahead. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, so just, you know, like I said, being, you know, growing up in the military, um, uh, I went, uh, my undergraduate degree was in history and English creative writing. And then I, you know, so naturally I went into the insurance business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so sure, that makes a lot of well. sense, Yeah. <laughs> So I, I ended up doing that, and um, you know, and I, and I did that because I enjoyed the process of working for myself, and and uh, you know, and just being able to set my own schedule. And I, I had just gotten to a point, I think, you know, early on in, in my undergraduate career, that I said, you know, I just don't know that I want to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I so I chose this path, and and it worked out really well. And um, you know, about five six years into it, I just had this this uh, this moment where I stopped. I said, wait, I'm still doing this. Yeah. So things have been really successful. Uh, you know, I was working less, making more, but I found myself to be completely bored. I yes. was bored out of my mind. And I, I knew that I wanted to do something that was more creative, something that fit more of my personality. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I, uh, you know, by chance I came across a program, in, uh, a graduate program, Strategic Foresight and Future Studies. And, uh, there's only three programs in the U.S. that are accredited for this. And I immediately locked onto it. I said, now this is how my brain has worked my entire life. And so this is this right here is what I would like to do. And what was it called again? Strategic foresight. Strategic foresight. Mm -hmm. uh, this is. It, I think the way most people will be able to recognize this. This is the type of work that's done in think tanks. You know, and most of that's usually done. Yes. You know, um, in big corporations or in policy groups. So it was. It was learning to look at long-term emerging issues and trends, and uh, and be able to make you know take um, strategic action today to prepare yourself for the future and a number of different future possibilities. Oh. And so it opened the door for a lot of creativity, but a lot of, you know, research-based uh, strategy and very applicable to the way that we make decisions today. And I just I thought, yep, yeah, this, is, this is it. This is what I wanted to do. That is great. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's it's fun dealing with ambiguity, but you know, you can take the future and you bring it back to the present day, and it really does, uh, you know, bring about some transformative results for people, both individuals and organizations. You know, it's funny you say it's fun dealing with ambiguity because I remember being 23 years old, coming out of graduate school, and my job interview, these two people were grilling me, saying, "How do you deal with ambiguity?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, "Uh." <laughs> You know, and I was like fresh out of graduate school. I didn't really know. I think I was winging that, that uh, answer to that question. But a lot of people have a hard time with ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's because we've been trained to, you know, uh, growing up our whole lives, we've been trained that, uh, you know, chaos is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things need to be predictable. That we have enough lag time to make decisions that, uh, you know, uh, will be impactful over the next Ten years, you know, so we don't have to be as adaptive as we need to be. You know, it's this, it's this idea that, hey, you know, if it's ambiguous, if it's unpredictable, then it's dangerous or it's bad, and it should cause us stress. But the reality is, is that there's nothing in nature, for example, in our entire world here, that is orderly and linear and predictable. That's right. Um, everything runs in a system, and this is the way that we work. And this is the way that we interact. And you know, and this is how we have to start looking at the world, is that chaos is the 21st century. Chaos, it's not about, you know, being comfortable with chaos. It's just accepting the fact that, you know, there is, <laughs> this is the world that we live in, and learn to adapt to that. So I guess let me backpedal a little bit there. Okay. You should become more comfortable with chaos. But it's just, it really is a, sh- a change in the way that we look at the world, you know, and saying, well, I don't have to know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes, you know, I just have to be comfortable and prepared for multiple outcomes tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key is that we've just been, we've been believing in this one future outcome that, well, the economy's going to do this. Well, you know, the housing market's going to do this. We're still fed that when we watch, you know, mainstream media, which I try to encourage people not to do as much because, you know, it's usually, oh, it's awful. counterproductive. Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, dealing with ambiguity is something we have to be, uh, be more adept to. You know what? You're a, you're a parent, correct? I am, yes. Yes. Don't you have a lot of chaos and ambiguity? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, he's, my son, he's like three and one. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's, it's, it's all worth it. Every day it's something new and it's, you know, uh, it is, you can't really, you can't really plan for every single thing. That's but, right. Uh, but it's exciting, and that's, that's the way that I think we really have to embrace the future is, yes, you know, we could be, you know, we, we could sit around and be anxious about things that are changing, but the other, the other way to look at that is we should be excited about this. Yes. Um, you know, there's this huge opportunity for individuals, and now is the time. What do people really have to lose? And I certainly say this, and by jumping off a sinking ship. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we are in the midst of a major shift, not just in economics, but society as a whole. You know, I think in a lot of ways we are maturing as, as a human species, if you will, um, and that's painful. That's a painful process. You think about your kids, and I know I'll see this with my son, but they're going through growing pains and, you know, uh, just all the changes and, you know, the, oh, yes. the hormonal, yes. you know, shifts and everything else. We have to liken that to who we are as individuals and who we are as, uh, as human beings and it helps us put things into perspective. Well, that's why I brought up technology earlier, because I think mm-hmm. it's really important to decide, okay, time to shut the phone off and go take a walk. Come on, let's go, mm-hmm. all of us. Because we really have to keep the communication going, keep the connections going. Because once your kids uh, shut you off, they might not, you know, want to connect back 
you know, to you for years to come. And I really think you have, it's, it's hard for them. They're growing. They go through phases. They want to keep things from you. You really have to find time to nurture that communication and keep it going because it's really challenging. No, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I mean, even if you look back over 50 years, you know, there's been futurists and people have talked about in the future technology will make our lives easier. Well, that has never been the case. You know, the mm-hmm. more technology we create, the more time we end up spending, whether it be at work, whether it be, uh, you know, um, researching, you know, whether it be just, it, it's just another distraction to keep us busy. You That's know, there's, right. There's this, uh, I think, a misconception about, you know, the future that the more we create and the more technology we bring about, it's going to eventually allow us to relax more, <laughs> allow us to sit back and just enjoy being alive. But, you know, as human beings, we're naturally driven to create. We're naturally driven to, to work and to do stuff and to stay busy. Right, but give us more technology. Oh, go ahead. But what I'm going to say is the problem I'm seeing is, um, and I don't mean to go off another path, but is oh, that okay. a lot of times technology has become a babysitter, so kids as young as 9 and 10 are getting iPhones. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's bizarre to watch my two-year-old open up, you know, the iPhone or the iPad and he can flip <laughs> through apps, go onto Netflix, find his shows. It's just, I'm thinking, how, you know, what is this doing? Yes. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of great things about it, but you're right. When it comes down to the social connection, the, the long-term effects, I think, of it, it's, you know, your kids and, and kids that are distracted by technology and adults, I mean, we still long for that human connection. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, you know, we will start to move back in that direction. But I think right now, especially as things are more chaotic, you know, these are easy distractions. Yes. It's easy to get lost in, you know, all the technology that's out there. I, I and, saw, uh, wait, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's, and it's amazing, you know, and, and that's kind of a unique uh, study in sociology right there. You look at what people are sharing and posting on Facebook. Some of it you read and you're thinking, really? <laughs> I know. You know, why, what is this? But I think a lot of it's just a sign of a longing to really connect and have that, you know, interpersonal relationship again with other people. Yes. I was going to say, I saw this um, cartoon over the weekend on Facebook, and somebody said uh, to some kids that were sitting outside on their stoop, um, when I was younger, we used to go outside and play. And there were these three kids sitting on the stoop holding their iPhones and, you know, nooks, playing on their gadgets. So they went outside to play, but that was their idea of playing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to comprehend that, you yeah. know. Um, and this is a conversation that we have a lot, especially if I'm dealing with an organization, there's that general, well, how do we deal, you know, with the generational issues? How do we deal with millennials? You know? mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think really it's, it's what you also see in that situation is that uh, the values and the, the ideas are still there. They just, it's, they, they're just defined differently. And so, yeah, you know, young kids are playing with their technology, um, and for us, we imagine that and think, well, this is just a huge waste of time. But if you'll notice, especially with younger kids and your kids in high school, the way that they use technology, the way they use the Internet, they're not just going somewhere and looking for information, but they're really looking for places to contribute information and to That's share, and collaborate, start to construct and build things. Whereas we were so used to kind of that, you know, uh, that old way of communicating where if I'm going to talk to you, Janine, I'm going to talk to you either on the phone mm-hmm. or in person. But, you know, the concept of us building something or collaborating, we're usually going to think of putting our hands on something physical. Right. Whereas a lot of these kids now, they are constructing and building and creating and contributing. And a lot of us, you know, we're just absorbing and we're taking in information. And, you know, I I still, even with Facebook, I'm thinking, I start to post something and I I stop. I think, I I don't even know how to speak this language very well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's, uh, I 
think that we have to look at a different perspective. You know, what new skills are these kids, you know, being equipped with, and then how this play out as they start to mature. That's right. That's right. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Jarrett Nichols. Uh, you're calling in from North Carolina. Well, I'm actually in Georgia today. Oh, we're, Georgia. Uh, yeah, visiting some family, but I live in Boone, North Carolina. All right. And this is Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. We're actually right in the middle of our fun drive, so I want to take a quick diversion, Jarrett, and then we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back after the break, I want to talk more about the types of things you do with organizations to help people kind of find their way through funks and changes and things like that. Sounds great. All right, hang <clears throat> tight. Again, that was Jarrett Nichols, who's joining us uh, this morning on Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. And again, it is the middle of our... Uh, let's see, we do this twice a year, so uh, our fun drive. And we're asking you to call in and support us because we don't get paid to do what we do. We do this because we love this. A lot of us either offer music programs, public affairs programs, and we bring very unique programming to you, our listeners. I know we have listeners uh, streaming our shows from all over the United States. And, you know, again, some people, as I mentioned earlier, have been doing this for years and years. We do this because we love to do this. And we love being part of KUCI. We are a family of DJs, uh, community members, and students. So this is our Spring 2013 Fund Drive. And we're asking for any level of support you can provide. We have Sheldon Abbott standing by at the phones. He has a great show at 10 o'clock, Cure for the Blues. And even for a $35 pledge, you can be a KUCI fan at this level. You can get one of our cool KUCI t-shirts or a CD. And the pledge levels go up. And as you support us on different levels, we'll give you uh, different shirts and CDs and things like that. Uh, for a $100 pledge, you get any combo of four items, T-shirts, CDs. We also have other things in our roster of donations. So we've got... Uh, concert tickets and all kinds of different things going on. If you want to find out more about what we can provide to you to show your support, give us a call at 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-5824. Hey folks, this is Henry Rollins, and as you know, it is the time of year when KUCI is asking you for some support, financial because they need to keep the station going. Please call in and send in a donation via phone at 949-824-KUCI. That's 949-824-5824. Or you can donate easily online by going to KUCI.org. Without you, KUCI will not be around. So please, please, please donate. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Did you know that car crashes are the number one cause of teen deaths? And that half of all teens that die, die in a car crash. So when you're with a friend and they're driving recklessly, say something. Say something witty like, you don't want to visit from the windshield fairy. Or maybe try a little sarcasm like, forgot where the brakes are, chief? Or you should just be straightforward with your friend and tell them to slow down or stop texting. After all, it could save your life. For more information, visit speakuporelse.com. 
Hey, hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I love that PSA. First, it's very, very meaningful. But second of all, a dear friend of mine, Adrena Thorpe, uh, did that soundtrack. Fly, fly, fly. So shout out to Adrena if you're listening. Hey, girl. All right. So we are back with Jarrett Nichols. Hi, Jarrett. Hey, Janine. So we were talking about all kinds of different things before the break. And um, I want to ask you, obviously, because this is Get the Funk Out, have you ever dealt with uh, a career funk? And if so, how'd you find your way out? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, all, all the time. Uh, it's, it's kind of built into the, you know, the, the role of an entrepreneur of, you know, if you're self-employed or you're, uh, and that's, you know, I had this conversation with him the other day, but I have never held a corporate job um, with corporate benefits. And I didn't realize that. I, I was actually spent time in the employee benefits business myself. And I realized that the other day that I've never actually done it. And so what comes along with that when everything's on your shoulders, the feast or famine, especially in the beginning, is that you're definitely going to go into, you know, different funks and, and then come out of them. Now, so the, the key of that is, is, is to put it all into perspective. You know, and we were talking a little bit about that earlier, but mm-hmm. um, is, is, is stepping back and realizing that, you know, what, what are my options? You know, I could I could stop doing this and I could go and try and get a job. But once you've you've gone into that mode of I want to work for myself or I want to start a business or I want to start doing something that allows me to dictate my time or give me more discretionary time, once that starts to happen, the prospect of uh, you know your other options um, in a lot of ways, once you put it in perspective, is is somewhat bleak. I mean, the thought of going back to to work for somebody may not be what you want to do. Right. Uh, but, but it really is, is to step back and put things in perspective. We easily get bogged down with what's right in front of us. And, you know, I still go through a funk and then you know, come out on the mountaintop and it goes back down the valley. Mm-hmm. And I think through all that is just stepping back and realizing that, you know what, it's just, it's a part of the cycle. It's a part of the phase. Um, at the end of the day, I still have a roof over my head. You know, I still have a family that I love and I still have a support system. And, and, uh, and it's, it's something that you get through. You know, I look at these uh, victims of the Boston Marathon, uh, specifically people that have lost limbs. And this one woman in particular lost, uh, lost her leg. And, you know, here she is smiling. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, that is incredible strength right there, right there. I mean, we all walk around uh, upset about various things. And then you think, what about our health? Do we ever think about that? Right. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, Janine, I mean, even talking about that, you know, that's, I think that's a perfect example. I'm glad you brought that up, is that, you know, as we're talking about all these changes and things that are happening so fast, you know, increasing technology and, and the economy continuing to fluctuate and people just dealing with uncertainty in general, there's something that we have to remember that is unique to human beings. Um, we have just this, uh, you know, huge capacity for resilience. Yeah, so we, not, you know, we like to sometimes just say, well, it's, you know, we as Americans or we as this group or that group, but we as human beings, we're a very resilient species. Yes. And we have to realize that uh, there's almost a part of us, the way that we're, we're hardwired, that when we face something, face struggles or danger or, um, you know, obstacles, that there's a part of us that is, is built to overcome that. And it's just a matter of recognizing that, too, and, and taking that and jumping forward and, and go over there, like these folks that have lost limbs, you know, mm-hmm. and then can, you know, continue to run, or folks that have gone through major hardships but continue to get back up. And I think it goes to what you're saying, is putting it in perspective, you know. Yes. What do you have to lose? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Do you find that the people that you provide advice to, sometimes they're just, 
um, it's almost like they're drowning, like they don't know what direction to go in? All the time. Yeah, all the time. You know, and it's uh, and it's something that, you know, all of us deal with. I don't know that there's anybody immune to this. Maybe there, maybe there is. I'd love to talk to them. But, you know, I go through these things now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find is that it, it, it's really, it's an issue of, of belief. What do we believe about tomorrow? What do we believe about ourselves? And, and you know, uh, not knowing which direction to go in is normal. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that also has to, I mean, there's so many self-help books and things that are out there today, and I think that it's missing the point. It's almost teaching you that, you know, not knowing the direction to go in is bad. So we need to work on making sure you know that immediately and always. But the truth is, is that, you know, we're going to go through times where we're going to be a little directionless. And instead of panicking and being anxious about that, we have to just, again, step back and put that in perspective and say, well, and this goes to something we talked about earlier, but uh, the exercise, an exercise I recently did with a management group was to put them into the future, you know, perceptually, so that perceptual location years 2023, and I had them divide different parts of their individual lives into sections. So it's a husband, father, musician, you know, athlete, whatever it might be. Right. And I had them write, you know, uh, you know, in the year 2023, I had them write, and using this language, as a husband or as a wife, I'm proud of the fact that. You know, as a musician, I'm proud of the fact that. And I just started to put things into perspective and give them direction, and that happened within 30 minutes. And it's just putting them in a different place to look back and say, this is what's most important to me, and I didn't even realize it. Because this is you were talking about technology and information. We have so much of it bombarding us. Yes. Especially with all the chaos and change. That many, many people are dealing with that, not knowing which direction to go in. Thinking they should move in this direction because this bit of information says this is where the economy is going, so we should go this way. But then you've got some contradictory information saying you should go the other way. And so right. it is putting a lot of people in a funk. You know, well, what do I do? So I think for a lot of people, the key is to put themselves ahead and look back and say, and it may sound crazy, but just try it, you know, and look back, just sit there and, and look back. I even discovered things that I wouldn't do that I had no idea about. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, so use yourself as an example. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, the night before I ran uh, this group through this exercise, and, you know, I was brought in to deal with things like communication and goal setting and whatnot. You know, it's pretty traditional organizational development stuff. But the thing is, is that, most of that work is done on the premise of we're going to make a goal or set a, you know, here are the things we want to do over the next 10 years, the next five years, and we're making those goals from the present day, which is completely convoluted with bad information that we've been <laughs> talking about. So instead of saying, well, we need to first, before we can work this as a team, we need to get down to the fact of what is it we really want as individuals, because the fact of the matter is most of us have no idea, which is a big, you know, a big contributor to people, you know, going into that directionless stage. So what we did is I had them, uh, you know, I just handed them blank journals. I said, I want you to draw a stick figure, which will represent you. You can decorate it, do whatever you want to. But I want you to draw different arrows, you know, say up to five arrows coming off of that stick figure. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at this like organization. And each of these different parts of who you are, look at those as departments. So, you know, define who you are, what makes up who you are today. So it goes back to, uh, you know, if you're uh, you know, husband, wife, mother, you know, anything that might be there. Okay. And then from there, I just wanted them to, to list the things. I said, now take that information, go off for 30 minutes, and put yourself in the year 2023. And then I want you to write down, I am proud of, the, you know, as a wife or as a husband, I'm proud of the fact that. And I, for me, I did this. And I discovered uh, something interesting. Um, as a entrepreneur and business owner, for example, I wrote this down. It just completely came to me out of nowhere. 
that I was proud of the fact that I created a foresight and innovation scholarship for high school students and low-income families. I had never thought of it <gasps> ever before. Look at that. And I was, I, was, I was blown away. And as a father, I was proud of the fact that I, you know, on my son's third birthday, and he's only two, I was proud of the fact that on, this, on my son's third birthday, I gave him a coupon with no expiration date that I would spend every Saturday morning with him first thing. Oh. And uh, yeah, I'd never even thought about that. Now, whether that happens or not, the fact is, what it did is start to align what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. Started to put things into perspective, and I had several different things like that. You know, as a musician, as a as a husband, you know, and other things. And it was a simple exercise that all of a sudden turned all the chaos and the insanity into a very clear picture of, ha, huh, here's what's important to me. But it's also, excuse me, it's also kind of like your to do list. Your, you know, I these are tangible things I could do. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Instead of to-do list, it's almost like a have-done list, and then you can put the strategy to-do, you know, into place. So it's kind of flipping the tables around. Yes. Because you know, most of us don't know what to do because we don't know what it is that we're trying, you know, where it is we're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. It's um, and it's hard to go through that whole process, you know, in a short interview. But you know, it's, it's something that simple. If if individuals do this, you know, and start to sit down without any external influence of what kind of pressure they're facing from family members, from work, from any of those things. Because when you even think from today back to 2003, you can remember very specific things that were most impactful and had the most, you know, uh, memorable moment for you in different parts of your life, whether it be as a musician, as a, as a DJ, as, you know, mm-hmm. any of the things that you've done. So, you know, and you can draw on that continuously. Ah, these are the things that made me who I am. Right. What are the things that are going to make us who we are in 10 years from now? It's a simple exercise that allows us to, get, you know, to start taking action, because I think that's the biggest problem we face when folks are in a funk or any kind of you know, situation, is that we don't know how to take action. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I'm, I, a lot of people don't read the newspaper. They, they do it online, but I actually like the feel of holding a newspaper and reading it. But my point is not that. It's that when I read the newspaper, I read a lot of interesting stories, and just when I'm feeling like, oh, I'm getting older, or I'm never going to do such and such, I'll read about the 100-year-old woman who's a drummer. I mean, no, mm-hmm. no joke. I just, I have this article and I have it on my desk. I'll read about an 87-year-old woman who went uh, hang gliding. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, Janine, stop making excuses. Don't beat yourself up because there are people you can get inspired from, from their stories. Or, you know, just when you think, oh, you'll never do such and such, look who's doing it. Somebody almost twice your age, you know. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah, that's exactly right. You really have to pay attention to other people's stories because there's a lot of inspiration to be learned. No, I, I think you're exactly right on that. I mean, uh, you know, even on my on my iPad, the cover photo I have there is of my son, my two year old, and he's pushing his own stroller, which his arms are completely straight up. This <laughs> thing, he's pushing it, and we live in the mountains, and so a lot of these, you know, we're going up and down constantly, and we're off on a back trail. And he refuses to let us help him as he's pushing that, and he's going off the sides and different Cute. places. But he is so determined. And to me, I just remember, you know, it made me realize, you know, like, it, look at the determination him to push this thing himself. It's somewhat insane, but I mean, you know, all the way to the point where he's all blood is drained out of his arms and he's in pain and he's crying because he can't push anymore. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? That's inspirational right there. That's great. That's great. So with your funks, did they last a long time or did you, did you quickly were able to turn it around? You know, um... I mean, I can't recall anything. The only time I re- recall uh, being in a bit of a flunk for a while um, was a few years ago uh, when, I, when I started grad school. We had our, had our baby, 
and our house was hit by a tornado. Oh. Yeah, so the tornadoes, we used to live in Raleigh, and the tornadoes that came through, uh, you know, the massive tornadoes that had gone through in 2011 in April, um, our house was damaged in that when we were in Raleigh. And we were actually in the house when it came through. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, yeah, it went right over top of us, pulled this 150-year-old maple tree from our backyard, just ripped it right up and dumped it on the house. And we were okay. But it was, you know, it's like back to back, everything that was, you know, building up there. And being in grad school and the subject matter that, uh, you know, that we study and you're looking at long-term emerging trends and issues, it, that could be a little depressing at times. Yes. But I just started to recognize that I was going through a big transition in my own life, not just on a career level, but I was a new father. You know, I was transitioning. Um, we were displaced. Um, you know, and uh, we finally got back into our house and then put it up on the market and, you know, two months later, we decided to move to Boone, North Carolina. So mm. it's uh, you know, it's just kind of this constant change of things, and um, it's uh, I think for me, you know, going through that process, it you know definitely wore me out. Sure. But, you know, but the but the thing that I had to keep uh, you know looking at was realizing this is just a step. This is just one more block building to something larger. And not unrealistically, like, oh, if I think I'm going to have a great future, then I'll have it. And when that doesn't happen, I'm disappointed. But more so, you know what? Again, we were talking about earlier, I have my family with me. You know, I have my wife, my son, they're healthy. Yes. Uh, you know, I've got a roof over my head. You know, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm doing what I want to do, as painful as it might be. Mm-hmm. I'm building my business. You know, I'm setting my own hours. Sometimes that's too many hours. I know. I, it's, it, it really is. It's, uh, you know, and then things start to, it's just trusting is having patience, too, realizing that the work you put in today, especially if you're running a business, the work you put in today, whatever you try to do, it, it's not for nothing. You know, yeah. everything builds to who you are and builds, you know, to what you're going to do, you know, you know tomorrow, three, five, ten years down the road. Right. Given that perspective. You know, it's interesting you said that because I have done things sometimes where they have not paid or they haven't paid well, but those experiences have built my resume. And... It just adds to who you are. It makes you a more interesting person, and you end up learning from those experiences. The money, it's not about the money. No, it's, it's not. I mean, you know, we still have to pay our bills, certainly. Of course. But it is. You know, I had a client I was just working with the other day. She has worked in several different industries, and she's saying, well, I just feel like I've been all over the place, and so I don't have much value to really add or to put together here, you know, because people are going to think that I'm just spastic. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you've got to rethink that. Uh-huh. I said, look at all the skills, you know, real estate, contract negotiation, you know, and I think this is something, you know, that people should do that, you know, I've had to do this, and that's part of that reinvention process, is that if you've worked in, say, um, well, I'll use myself as an example. So I, I spent a lot of time in the employee benefits field working for myself, and I was actually in worksite benefits, the voluntary benefits. And so that meant that I had to deal with every single employee in the organization from the very top to the very bottom. Because if they didn't want anything, they'd start to come see me and sign off. And what that mm-hmm. experience gave me was a really unique insight into what goes on in organizations across several different industries, from blue collar to gray collar to white collar, and to see what people are thinking and to really get a widespread sampling of, here's what's going on with folks. Now, they would share things with me that are completely private and personal, but you know, about their work, about their family. And it just gave me a broader perspective on what goes on inside an organization. So now the work that I do today and the full, you know, the training and foresight and, and future studies and going in and, and being able to sit down and, and connect with folks and be able to understand very quickly, here's what's going on in the organization. Mm-hmm. Here's some of the things we have to look at because I've had that experience. Now, did I get that experience as a futurist? No. I 
an experience when I was, you know, when I was in employee benefits. So I had to look at these are all the things that I picked up skill-wise throughout the years, interpersonal side, contract negotiation, uh, you know, sales, good grief. If you can make it in work side benefits and sales, you, I would joke that you can almost do anything. Right. And so it's, yeah. So it's, it's looking at all the things you've done. Take an inventory of the skills that you have. And... And don't just look at it as, well, I've done this, but mm-hmm. look at the results that you've created and what that results for you. And then look at how that will result in your resume or your, you know, uh, the way that you, you know, provide value for your clients. You know, and a lot of times, um, you know, some I've, I've heard people say, oh, you know, they're not using their degree in such and such. Well, you end up using your degree in different capacity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, I don't, a college education is never wasted. You know, and just because you might not be using your law degree or whatever degree, you're going to end up using those those um, experiences, maybe those analytical courses, uh, whatever it is, in a different capacity. Maybe you create your own, you know, as you said, your own career path. I think the hardest thing, and I've done this at times, is deciding, as you said earlier, am I going to work for somebody else? Or am I going to be my own boss? And what's what helps is, I think, writing down, you know, your goals, your aspirations, your skills, and kind of putting it on paper mm-hmm. and, and kind of seeing, well, wh- where are you and where do you want to be? And, um, but just, you know, and, and sh- setting some short-term goals for yourself. No, I, I think you're exactly right, Janine. And that's, you know, and I can't take credit for this. I mean, these are things that I've learned, you know, from my business mentor and the different consulting community that I've been a part of and is looking at whether I'm dealing with a client or I'm dealing with myself. And I think that for folks listening to this, this would be really helpful is, you know, so often resumes and the way that we pitch our businesses or we pitch, you know, our value is based on input. Yes. There's nothing value about it. input that makes you a commodity. Oh, okay, well, now I'm just going to compare you on price. So we have to make a list of those things, and you can almost make this in three categories. Here are the different jobs I've worked and the roles that I've worked in. That's category one, mm-hmm. and you name those. So those actually have a definitive title, or if it was sales, if it was whatever it was, and you put those things there. Mm-hmm. Next to that, the, the middle column there, your inputs. What exactly did you do? You know, what was your forward? What was the front of work that you did? Okay. What was in sales? I dealt with this, this, and this. And then on the back, on the third column in there, you know, write out what was the output, what was the result for the problem, what skills or what outputs did that mean, what what did this turn out to be, and then that that last column is what you focus on. Okay. So what all of a sudden you may find that well, I I have had so many wild you know careers that I you know how can I you know be marketable to a company or start my own business? But all of a sudden you may find out that wow, my skill set is immense. Yes. Huge. Look at this. <laughs> right. And and it's about putting it in perspective. You know, it's uh, you. All of us, like you said, Janine, nothing goes to waste. So everything that we do builds to who we are today. And you have a much broader value proposition and skill set than you even realize. Yes, you just have to formulate it and look at it. Ah, these are this is the outputs, and your outputs is what's going to make you distinct and unique. And that's what people need to focus on. And you know what I was also thinking is that. Even though we might not have a sales background, we're, a lot of us sell ourselves anyway. You could be riding Always. up an elevator or on a plane with somebody, and in 10 seconds, it's no longer 30, you're going to tell somebody about you and what do you do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sales is everywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's about captivating that person, but also once you believe in what you do, that captivates anybody. It shows in your eyes that you enjoy right. what you're doing. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, sales is uh, the worst thing. I, I used to have uh, agents that worked with me, and um, I would have them cold call me before they ever cold call clients. Ooh. And I would, you know, <laughs> what I tried to teach them was it's not a script. Scripts are terrible. Throw them out. Yes. Now, what's your objective? It's to get an appointment. Yes. If you get an appointment, I'm telling you if you know the phone. And I'd have them cold call me for an hour, sometimes two hours, and I never decided I was going to give them this appointment. But it was always on the tone of voice. It was the psychology of the call. It was, do you believe that your time is worth my time? And as soon as they finally got to that threshold of, hey, look, you know, and we're just able to be very, you know, as I said, it's, it's about what you're saying in your tone, the confidence that you have. It's not so much about what you're saying, you yes. know, in your words. And I think that's what it goes back to. You know, you, you in sales or in anything, it's, you know, you have to believe in yourself, literally. You have to believe that you can honestly provide value and improve somebody else's condition uh, before they will ever give the time of day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jarrett, is there anything else you want to add? Do you have a mantra, by the way, that you live by? Get out of bed. <laughs> no, no, you know, um, I, I, I really, I was trying to think of that. I don't know that I have a mantra. I think it's, uh, um, I think some of this just comes from growing up in the Army, uh, as an Army brat is, you know, I've never really known anything different except for just always looking ahead and moving forward and, and just realizing that, you know, no matter what, um, even if you get to the lowest possible place, you can take comfort in the fact that you're at the lowest possible place, and things can only really go up from that point going forward. Mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, you know, uh, the most important thing is is for people to step back and put themselves into perspective and say, look, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. You know, and, it's, it's, and it's not as simple as that. I don't ever try to give anybody just, you know, prescriptive advice and say, we'll do this and do that. Yes. But, no, yeah, times are going to be tough. It's okay. Just, just, you know, expect that and accept it. And then just put things into a larger, longer-term, you know, um, context, and and you tend to find clarity that way. Right. And is it the isn't it the uh, Kelly Clarkson song? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like I will get ridiculed if I even claim to know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a good mantra, though. But it's true. I mean, you know, th- sometimes you you feel like you're in the lowest of lows. And I've experienced different lows, career, personal, and it does make you stronger. It does. And it might not feel like that at the time, but it does. Well, you know, and Janine, this goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, you know, with technology and, and what makes it tougher today. And I think this is something we all have to remember is that um, a lot of the technology distracts us and it, and it makes us pull away from the people that love us and support us and are really, you know, there to keep us strong. You know, I think so. It's, we have to be conscientious about, you know, um, looking out for, whether it be family members or friends or close colleagues, uh, to to really try to understand or, or look for signs that, hey, these people are withdrawing. And let me figure out what's really going on. It's so easy to get wrapped up in what we do. Because I would hope, you know, for myself, that the people would do the same for me. Because that's right. what we need go through these times, is we need somebody to pull us out of it and get us out of our own head. Yes. And for our own counsel, that's just insanity. Yes. We have to move away from that. You know, and somebody I had in the show a while back, one of the best things he did, and I've been inspired to do this, is develop a community think tank with some of your peers to -hmm. bounce ideas off. So you're going through that tough time, that funk. You don't really know how to make sense of some idea you have for a business. Start this community group with people that can help you. They're not just looking to... You know, say, yeah, that's a great idea. But say, you know what, that might not be such a great idea. Or maybe you should take the idea in a different direction. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I mean, that, that, that's a great idea. It yeah. really is. You know, it's, we have to have that. And you have to have that group of people that are going to be honest with you. You yes. know, I, I have a business mentor, and he's solid. And uh, the one thing I really appreciate about him is he, he tells me if he thinks my idea is bad. 
and he's and you know no mercy and it's great you know i jokingly say it hurts so good <laughs> it's true if I can, you know we need people to be honest with us and that's something that's hard for a lot of people to do these days it's just to be very honest with uh with each other <laughs> so. absolutely well jared that's about all the time we have uh what's your website for people that can find out more information about you yeah uh the website is the jared nichols com, and that's uh you know, D, Jared, J-R-E-D, okay. Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S, group.com. And uh, there's articles, videos, podcasts, uh, special reports, a couple ebooks up there. But they, they're all free. You know, folks can go in there and, and browse in those things and cover a wide variety of topics and, and some of the things we've been talking about today. Sounds great. Thank you so much for calling into the show. And I'm going to check out some of your ebooks. And um, this whole interview will be up on my blog within the next hour. And I'll send you a link. Well, that's wonderful. Right. Excellent. You be well and have a great Monday. All right. You too, Janine. Thanks so much. Take care. That was Jarrett Nichols calling in. He's a strategy consultant and author of Leading the 21st Century, The CEO's Guide to Thriving in a Volatile and Uncertain Future. And that's a wrap for me. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. And I do want to mention we're right in the middle of our spring 2013 KCI Fun Drive. And we would love your support in any level possible. We have a basic level of $35. You can be a KUCI fan. Uh, We'll give you one of our cool KUCI shirts. We also have CDs. And as the pledge amount goes up, we've got some amazing premiums to offer you. Uh, We've got some people out in the studio. I'll be taking calls as well. The number here is 949-824-5824. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hello. This is Henry Rollins encouraging you to support KUCI Fund Drive happening right now. Help keep KUCI strong and independent. Please pledge your support by calling 949-824-5824. That's 949-824-KUCI. You can also donate online by going to KUCI.org. I will be monitoring how much money you send in. Now is not the time to be stingy. You're listening to 88.9 FM, KUCI Irvine. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of KUCI or the University of California, Irvine.